Bev's Video Kingdom is brought to you by Sex Panther from Odeon. The world over, we searched for a smell that was so strong, so pungent, so erotic that women all over cower to see that little black bottle. But don't take my word for it. Let's hear from the real people out there in the world just drowning in horny babes looking to gag, if you know what I mean. Sex Panther smells like Donald Trump's foreskin. Sex Panther smells like a fermented white cheddar pirate's booty. Smells like an unsocked foot fresh out of a Converse All-Star. It smells like Lindsay Lohan's breath. It smells like Scott Peterson's boat. It smells like Megan Fox's thumbs. It smells like Jason Pierre-Paul's knuckles. It smells like a sippy cup full of 3D-old milk. If that sounds good to you guys, and I know it does, come on down. Sex Panther by Odeon. (laughs) Oh, boy. Two cats. A boat. Unique New York. Unique New York. The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Bez Video Kingdom. <laughs> Nick, Nick here. Uh, we are, I'm here with uh, Brad, Nate, and Zach. What's up, fellas? Hey, everybody. What's happening? How now, brown cow? <laughs> I'm Brad Burgundy. <laughs> um, guys, we are covering Anchorman. Um, Originally discovered by the Germans in 1904. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, directed by Adam McKay. Uh, released in 2004. It stars Will Ferrell, Christina Applegate, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, David Cochner, Kochner, Chris Parnell, <laughs> Fred Willard, Fred Armisen, Seth Rogen, Kathy Hahn, just to name a few. Um, God damn it. Uh, Huge cast. Adam McKay's run, that short run from 2004 to... 2013 finishing uh, you know to Anchorman 2 which eh, we can get into that but um Anchorman came out when I was in college um don't remember what theater I saw it in but I saw it in a theater and I laughed my ass off Adam McKay and Will Ferrell kind of forged a friendship in SNL um they became like best friends they were both hired on the same day and then just became best friends and collaborators and just made magic uh, for a short stretch. So they didn't know each other before SNL? When they, 1995, they met uh, and they were hired on the same day Interesting. at SNL. Um, went on to do big things together with Gary and Gloria Sanchez Productions. Uh, also started Funny or Die. But they were a dream team, the two of them, for a short run. And just created a form of comedy with... Um, with Anchorman that followed um, in the years after. And the cast, it, this thing is just a quote machine and talk about um, a movie that lives in our everyday dialogue, dialect and uh, dialogue between each other. Damn it, it's, uh, it's so funny. I, I have a list of just quotes. I had to just get an idea of how many <laughs> I say on a fairly rare, uh, you know, 
uh, frequent basis, and it's it's a lot. So, so much fun to watch, and I just want to hear what you guys think and how much you guys hated this movie. Really yeah. quick, I just want to say that Nick is super good at remembering quotes from movies. Yeah, like annoyingly good. Like really good and, and like su- super quick uh, to get him in his head, and I struggle with it. And this movie, I bet you Nick knows every single one of those quotes he has written down. I think it pisses his. Wa- I think it pisses his wife off a lot because she he says quotes to her and she's just like, I don't "Oh know what yeah, the fuck you're talking about right now." He I didn't mean, mess. He didn't mess up a quote for his senior quote in his in his yearbook. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Oh, sorry, yeah. I digress. I, it's true though. I mean, really quick. I mean, she does. She <laughs> unfortunately she does have to ask. Like when I say something funny, that's from me. Is that did, who said that? She's like, even, obviously what movie is that from? That I don't remember off. that. But it's also impressive when it's not. Like that's all me, baby. That's all me. Just came off the top of the dome, right there, babe. <laughs> oh man, I love this movie. I mean, I, it's hard for me sometimes to remember and recreate for myself the way it felt to watch it the first time because I've seen it so many times, and I and and, and oddly, I, I do think it's a movie that rewatches well, but that unlike but but for me like it never has been some movies i think in some ways they get better with time and there are things about this one like you relive the quotes and they're really funny but this is one of those movies that the first time you see it you're so blown away it's so funny and so weird and different um and you don't quite expect it to make you laugh the way that it does and so i love this movie i still love it i I watch it probably once a year since it since it's uh, been out um but i definitely feel like it's a movie that if you, you know, for, I, I, sometimes you, you feel really jealous of people that get to like experience things the first time you hear somebody that you they tell them about a movie or show and they're like, I haven't seen it. And I, I genuinely am like envious that they get to see it. If someone told me they hadn't seen Anchorman, I don't know if there's very many movies I would be more excited to have them watch, especially if they are any kind of Will Ferrell fan. It's just, it's so quotable. It's so clever and funny. The cast is ridiculously good. I mean, I, I, it's, it's a total home run, maybe the best comedy, maybe the best comedy since 2000. I, the, the weird thing for this movie with me is it, it's a lot like super bad. Both those movies I did not see in the theater. I did not see Anchorman nor super bad in the theater. And both of them were built up by like all my friends, like you guys and everything. I just everywhere. Oh my God, you gotta see Anchorman. You gotta see super bad. And both of them, the first time I watched them, I was like, amused but just like okay i think it was built up too much in my head and then as i've watched them more since then i've gained more appreciation um and and i've enjoyed them more better than probably a lot more better than the more better a lot better than the first time that's better better i think is correct <laughs> better more, more better better if you could any any english teachers other best email us better <laughs> there it is <laughs> Better team. Uh, second. Second. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I, I do love it though. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great movie. Um, it's not one that I'm going to jump out and watch each year like Nate, but uh, definitely if it's on, I'll catch it and, and enjoy it. But it's a classic comedy and Will Ferrell is a legend and Brick Tamlin's my hero. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know enough young people. You guys, you guys have like contact with with young people at some point in your lives do do they still love will ferrell do that, people love will ferrell like high school kids and stuff that's a question when nate was talking i was wondering like i don't know how it would i don't know how it would play now because you're brad's talking about not seeing it in the theater and it just makes me wonder if you took this kid to a you know a senior high school class somewhere 
made them watch Anchorman, I really wonder if they would if it would kill if it would bowl them over because we it hit us in the perfect spot. Two thousand four, I think I was like twenty or something like that, and it was freaking hilarious. Right, my, my so. son's a sophomore, and he chuckled a few times, but and that's didn't it. Right? Seem like yeah, super yeah same, same when I showed my I showed uh, both my teenage kids, and they liked it, but they were not like blown away. Yeah, so so I wonder, like again, I've said this before on the pod about different movies, like how much is this propped up by just nostalgia for us? You know what I mean. But on the other hand. God, it's so funny. And I, I watched it. I've watched it so many times. And last night I watched it while I was folding laundry and taking care of kids and feeding dogs and doing all sorts of stuff. And man, I would just walk into the room and just die laughing at freaking Steve Carell saying something just absolutely ridiculous, deadpan <laughs> to the camera. I mean, there's so many bit characters in this movie. Will Ferrell, you know, Will Ferrell playing Will Ferrell, always, always playing Will Ferrell. But God, it's so good. Like, why would you ever change it up? Like, you know, I talked to really, I talked, you know, at some point about him being like depressed Will Ferrell when he's just being a normal person. He just, his personality is just so like, you know, just so outrageous and out there. It's, it's, it's awesome. The buildup, I think because we have, we're connected to that buildup that was going on when this movie was made from his SNL, knowing that he was the dude on SNL. We knew all the funny skits. Even if you didn't watch SNL, you saw his funniest bits. There was that buildup. Um, leading up to Anchorman. And there had even been a couple of, they did a good, I think they did a good job of like marketing the movie a little bit where they were showing his character dressed up and doing some things. And you're like, Oh, oh I remember shit. he was on MTV. Like this was, uh, you know, kind of right in MTV's heyday, maybe at the tail end of it. And he was doing like, I'm pretty sure he hosted TRL as Ron Burgundy yeah. and a bunch of weird stuff like that. So there was definitely buzz. I think people really loved it at the time. I mean, for me, it was the it was kind of the the stoner movie in in college. Like a bunch of like a bunch of stoner dudes would watch it over and over, and just you know, it's just complete irreverent, you know, random comedy. That when you're stoned, I mean, that shit's really funny, and it's still really funny. Oh shit! It, I mean, and um, so many people in the cast. It's it's this. What I want to know, and I know we're getting into a dream with the director, is how much of it was improvised. I feel like a lot because it feels like it's just an improvised. Im- it's a slugfest of improv, um, uh, improvisation. Is that it? Um, has to be. Um, and just nonstop. Um, everybody, it's just coming back and forth. And every time that they're on screen, it's like they're trying to one, you know, one up each other with uh, everything. Because you've seen the outtakes and you know how much, you know, be real there must be on this movie. How many different things did they come up with that Odeon, Sex Panther by Odeon just on smells Odeon. like? You know, they probably did 87 different one-liners and eight of them made it into the movie, you know? Yeah. For sure. It smells like a turd with, what is it? Turd with cat hair on fire or something like that. (laughs) So so to me, the most important question here is how important is Ron Burgundy's mustache to popular culture? I mean, it's got to be top five movie mustaches. Selleck's one. Selleck's one of one, I think. Magnum's one. Magnum, yeah. If we go TV, um, we got to go with uh, Ron Swanson. Burt Burt Reynolds and uh, Smokey. Yep. I mean, how many other mustaches did even come to mind? Officer Jim Dangle from uh, Reno 911. One of my favorites, Reno 911. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, the mustache here is. As far as movies, you're right. Pi May. They might be carrying the is movie. Like, or that's just, is that both his beard <laughs> and his mustache, I think, combined? It's hard to say which it is. I think it's disqualified because of it. I think it's, def- it's, his, it's his, like, goatee, right? Yeah, he's like got a 47 inch goatee. Yeah. He looks like the bassist from Corn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Pi May slapping the bass. 
All right, moving on to our next segment. We're moving on. We're sitting down with Adam McKay. We're having drinks with him. And tonight, in honor of the legendary, the legend, Ron Burgundy, we are all sipping on at least two to three fingers of our, of scotch. Scotchy scotch. <laughs> so, scotch, it's, scotch, scotch. It's, it's honestly disgusting. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> I really like bourbon. I really like whiskey. It tastes like leather and permanent marker to me. I don't understand the... Uh, so, I, I get the permanent marker. There's that that taste, but I like the smoky stuff. I like the stuff that reminds me of like campfire. Where it's oh, like, that's yeah, not it's nice. like around a campfire, and it's just got that smoke. Oh, like so someone good. lit a sock on fire and threw it into my <laughs> into my bourbon. But it that, was like that's from all the times you've been gagged with a sock. And <laughs> Nate's yeah. got to take it to. Uh, but it wasn't even like a cotton sock. It was like camp. one of those shitty like neoprene ones that like <laughs> we're only smells like, like a plastic. week off of our Pulp Fiction pod. <laughs> Nate still, still needs a gag. I still need over to, here. I still need to talk about the gimp. <laughs> but I'm sipping on uh, Glen Merengue Scotch. I think that's how they say it in the in the in the <laughs> Highlands. In the that's, Highlands, that was a good pronunciation. Glen Merengue. <laughs> that's yeah, oh, that's, that's the correct. There it is. You got to yell it. I've been watching a lot of Ducktales. <laughs> <laughs> that was Scro- just classic Scrooge McDuck. Uh, right Pass okay. me the Glen Marange, boys. Uh, I am drinking some Lagavulin in honor of the other great mustachioed oh. Ron Swanson. There it is. Is that what he drinks? Still, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a big Lagavulin guy. He's got a special right. Ron I, Swanson Lagavulin. I, I went to Costco and got the Lagavulin just because of Ron Swanson. Yeah. Well, then I, I appreciate Ron Swanson because it's a, a nice little smoky scotch. It's got that, that smoke that I dig when he, I'm drinking on scotch. He smoked it with one of his canoes that he built. All right. I'm drinking Oban 14-year single malt scotch whiskey. Nate says it's good. My wife bought it for me one Christmas many years ago and Smart said, woman. oh, I bought you an expensive bottle of scotch. And uh, I said, oh, I've never had scotch. And I tried it and I said, this is not good. <laughs> but, okay, but I do not but, like but it. But I, I bet you thought you, you like but, whiskey. And but, yes, no, exactly. No, it was super. I like the scent of it. And yet somehow this bottle has maybe three fingers left in it. What's That's, the story? That just speaks to my alcoholism. <laughs> Sometimes it gets so bad I don't have any cheap whiskey or anything around and I have to drink expensive scotch that tastes like permanent marker. <laughs> right after permanent college, marker. we used to have a, a, a little bar in our in our house and somebody came over to a party one time and they brought a big old ass handle plastic bottle scotch. And we used to call it, I can't believe it's not scotch. It was like <laughs> some off-brand. I don't even know what the fuck it was called. And and yeah, people would, some people would touch it. But I can't I imagine how disgusting the plastic bottle of scotch can possibly be because the expensive glass bottle is really gross. Like, what does the plastic <laughs> bottle smell like? So my, my father-in-law is a right? big scotch. <laughs> my, my father-in-law is a big scotch guy. And uh, so it, it turns out that not all single malts even, blends tend to be less like, PD and less, you know, fucking gross. But the the space side scotches, so like uh, Belvini and uh, I think Macallan, they're much less burnt sock taste. Ugh. Are you taking us on a scotch journey right now? Well, if you close your eyes, just listen. <laughs> Nate's voice will take you on any kind of journey <laughs> you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where you want to go, brother? Would, not only have we had some Facebook comments on your on your voice, but I read one of the um, one of our iTunes reviews, and one of the one of the ladies out in the iTunes universe uh, really enjoys your voice too. I don't know what's happening. Sure, I'm pretty sure that was either my wife or your wife. <laughs> it might have been Scott. Either one's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? 
Well, if you want to listen to Nate's uh, voice a little more, he's up first. I want to know. We want to know what Nate's going to talk to Adam McKay about while he's sipping scotch with him. I have so much. Uh, okay, so so I want to ask him. I guess the the most fundamental thing I want to know and, and would want to pick his brain about is how he. How do you make a movie with that many people that I assume are improvising constantly? Like, how do you, how do you make that good? And like, what do you do? What's the strategy? So like, you know, do you just simply let them roll, let it roll a lot, kind of give them some basic direction. And then you just a million takes and you then after the fact, just kind of pick through them. Or is there more of a like, you know, how, you know, is your direction more like, okay, you know, how, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Let's try some different things. And, and I guess my, my overall sort of summary about that is, and the thing that feels baffling is that a movie like this one is not quite a spoof, right? But it's not played at all straight either, right? It's not like it's supposed to be, you know, like, you know, these movies that are kind of making fun of a genre, but it's so off the wall, so wacky that it feels to me like it could just seem it could go really wrong. You know, like if, if you put it together in the wrong way, you, people could just sort of feel like it's just a bunch of bits that don't hang at all. And yet somehow it all feels like there's enough of a story to be kind of interesting and that there's enough like consistency across the 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 you know improvisation so that the characters are meaningful characters. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm curious to hear, you know, I would love to, to know what the strategy is there. Well, especially with this movie, um, they released a trailer that had multiple things that were not in the movie, including like him taking a bullet for, for Miss Corningstone and like just some, some random stuff. So it's like, they obviously were in constant motion of trying to figure out what's the best way to make this movie work. And, and that's, that's, exactly my question is so was it difficult in the editing room like god we want to keep this joke in but it doesn't necessarily go with the way the plot's going or or just trying to force in or get rid of things that are just gold and you're like oh my gosh we have to get rid of this because we can only choose one of these things rather than the 17 that we tried out that were also maybe just as hilarious so it's an interesting movie and and again it's weird when you have these movies that they have a trailer and they're none of the stuff that's in the trailer ends up being in the movie. So it's like, there was definitely some difficult editing decisions. I have to think that there was just 57 movies worth of B roll. That's just so hilarious. And you know, it's funny that you say that like there was enough story to kind of hold it together and bring it home. But I almost feel like a movie like this and a lot of Will Ferrell type movies, sort of irreverent, just like, you know, crazy comedy movies like this, a bunch of improvisation. I I almost wonder sometimes, like, is it hurt by trying to shoehorn the story in? Like, why not just have all of these amazing comedians just riff the whole time? Like there's, there's, there's a lot of storyline in this movie, which is, which is great. But I think this movie kind of is really helped by the Jack Black kicking the dog over the, over the bridge. (laughs) Like that's just like such a genius way to have like the turning point in the movie. I, I don't know. I, I I guess I guess I would ask him like do you feel like you maybe over push the story a little bit like maybe this movie is propped it, it would be even funnier if there was just more like instead of saying like 14 jokes about what the perfume smells like just say like 57 jokes about what the perfume <laughs> smells like so, so I definitely I definitely felt like the one place where it it always hits for me is the ending like I always feel like that's not as funny a set of scenes 
And so I'm, I'm always a little bit there. I'm like, man, can we do something else? Like, exactly. You know, like, like, you 100%. know, do you have to wrap this up? But until that point, there are, few, you know, there's only one or two other spots where I feel that way. Maybe the, maybe there's, the there's jazz flute. My, my brother's band, when they were first going to record like their first major album with the, the, the record label, their main song that had been popular all across the, the local areas and stuff and some radio stations around they they when they went to record it in the studio that there was a producer that said you have to have a third verse and that's what they kept saying no you have to have a third verse this song only has two verses you need to have a th- this is a pop song it's gonna be on the radio it needs to have three verses and so they ended up recording a third verse that i know my brother who wrote the song was not happy about so i wonder if that's like the producers or the people that are finance financing the movie they're like you have to have a story we can't just have a movie that's just riffing and riffing and and blah 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 blah. i bet they there's i bet there's people that are higher up that are like you have to have a story it's got to have a beginning a plot an end and like just make sure that it all works together but is it a better movie if it's just if it's less plot driven and the end of it is just more more riffing and just a bunch of jokes and there's you know what i mean like well that's my point is that the third verse in the in my brother's song I don't like it. It doesn't really add anything to the song and the song was just fine without it. So why not just keep doing what the song was doing and just let it go because it's better. I think people feel like because they're there, they have to justify their existence. So they're like, Oh, I'm the producer on this movie. So I need to have something to say. So I'm going to say, I'm the script supervisor. And they were like, God damn it. They're going to be bears and we're going to (laughs) fucking deal with them. (laughs) Because that's what I'm about, and that's the message I want people to take away. Not that some of the the bear stuff isn't funny, but it's just you you have to wrap the movie up. There's a climax. I I think animals talking to each other in their heads and stuff. It's just like screen time that is not the. I mean, the animals are not the most talented. No, we got Shag Snag Body Bagger for that to like end the movie and of of a fucking movie of genius freaking improv like is uh, is very random. Uh, It's ended by subtitles with a dog. <laughs> well, like, 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 let me let me throw it out. Not to step on alternate endings, or but, but like, some of the best stuff in the whole movie is the news team to news team stuff, right? Yeah. Like, and we get a lot more of the other things, right? The, the 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 internal dynamics of the news team, the the newsroom with the producers, the the you know the the Christina Applegate stuff. Why not like have the ending involve you know in a more serious way those other news news teams without having the bear as the sort of central element of it and the big focus on their relationship when his relationship with the with the news team is is way funnier like why not have like a, like a goose and Ma- or like a like an Iceman and Mav moment between um, Wes Mantooth and uh, Ron Burgundy where it's like you know they have to report together. And then he's like, you know, I'll always back you up reporting. And he's like, fuck you. I'll always back you up. And, then hug. <laughs> and like, I want to hear the backstory with Champ and Dorothy, man, too, because he knew, he knew her first and last name like intimately. It, it sounded you know, like they had. History. There could be a Dorothy, man, to spinoff. And, and I am Champ. in on that right now. <laughs> ten episode, ten episode Netflix series. She's a saint. Dorothy, Dorothy, man, is a saint. <laughs> he took Dorothy out to some, had some chicken. <laughs> take take Dorothy, man, out to a nice dinner and then never call some her again. chicken. Maybe some sex. Dorothy, man, is. Yeah, we'll see you what know, happens. See what happens. Uh, well, and this is the thing that I want to like, I mean, if, if we're really, I, I, and I think this has been raised prior in other movies where this, it's so quotable, but like, do you know that you're making a movie that's going to be this quotable or do you just throwing shit at the wall and it just happens that so much of it sticks? See, when you, when I first watched it, one of the thoughts I had when you guys were all talking was I do remember when this movie is over, 
And sometimes you leave a movie and you're like, there's no way. I just got done seeing a movie. I couldn't digest all of the stuff that was said, but you know, like, oh, what? wait, what did he say? Wait, that shit was hilarious. But I'm going to watch this, that again. This spot is hilarious. And then you're left and you're like, I missed, I can't remember 20 or 15 quotes that were said in that movie. I know I'm going to rewatch this 10 times, which you knew you didn't know you were going to watch it 30 more times over the course of the next 20 years. But this is a fucking years. zoom in into the psyche of Nick. He's like, I just watched this movie. I don't know 15 lines from it. Must what, watch again. What it is, is I watched this movie. I know I'm, 40 lines, but not their 15. I don't I'm know. getting the DVD. That's what's going through the mind of, of a young Nick Brown in 2004. Well, no, what's funny is that he's saying that now, but the DVD was already on order before it was ever yeah. even. It was already blind bought. Um, so, 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 I mean, that's, let's talk about that. Right. So fate, I mean, most quotable lines, like what do you, how many are there in this really? Right. I you mean, watch it enough. And I think it just like, it's you, almost you start to get script. like deep with some of the ones that actually like linger, but anyway, well, you, you can almost go by character. Right. But like, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> That's I, a great one. I, I, so I posted so on, on online somewhere the other day. I'm caught in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> I mean, just classic, dude. Like, uh, you know, the... the uh, I'm all- very aroused. So, so what it is, is it's almost... It, it To me, it's almost too many good lines. It's almost like Will Ferrell could fucking yell anything in the Ron Burgundy voice, oh. and that shit would be funny, and it doesn't matter which what is, he's really saying. Which is why you need the premise. You need the plot. You I need mean, these people I mean, to I be, guess. put them in this world... Put the put the get Will Ferrell in that outfit with that mustache. Get him in that character, and dude, it's freaking magic. Have, have any of you have wrong. any of y'all listened to the uh, Ron Burgundy podcast? No, I've listened to like a tiny. There bit. is a Ron Burgundy it's, podcast, it, it, and I guess that's the, there's something to be said about the story being there because the Ron Burgundy punk podcast is like okay in small doses because otherwise it's just it's almost too much. Yeah. It's like just no, it's I, definitely sounds like it's too much. Yeah, it's. Well, I mean, it's funny at times, but there's just a lot of just kind of drivel that's not that exciting. And that's why you take. That's why there's 57 hours of and, B roll, and, and we and we see and we and right. for every 30 seconds that exactly. we watch. And so you know, in some ways, yeah, it's like about it's about the taste. And we and we've talked a little bit about this, like you know, even in our context, right? Where like sometimes you know you don't you don't know what's funny until you listen to it later. So like, you know, you, you even, you know, sometimes we, we think things are funny that we're talking about, but a lot of times we listen to them later. And I, I think that's gotta be some of what's going on here is like the funniest stuff doesn't always appear as funny right on the bat. But, but, but to the point about like Will Ferrell could say anything, that's the other question I have, I guess, for the room and for the director is, you know, how much of this is really the people delivering the lines and how much of it is really is what's being said, right? Cause like 60% of the time it works every time is a pretty fucking funny line no matter what, but I don't know that anybody delivers it the way Paul Rudd does. <laughs> and, and I think that's and Will true. Farrell's response. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, can anyone, could, could anyone say that? And it would, it would work. I don't know, but I, I sure feels like a lot of this stuff really depends on the, these are incredible actors in the deliveries. And the characters that they like these amazing improvisational actors have created. Brian yeah. Fantana's is own, could be its own movie. could be oh, its yeah. own Netflix. So well, well, think about if you hung out with Will Ferrell all the time and were around him constantly riffing and stuff, I think at some point 
you would always be okay. Like I'm looking for that really out there line from Will. So I, I wonder if that sometimes kind of manipulates the the editors, the directors, the people that are involved in the movie making, just because you're around him constantly. So he's constantly saying funny stuff, and so maybe the the the, the stuff that we might, if we just got around Will Ferrell, would be like, oh my god, that's so funny, and they'd be like, mm. that's like a thirty percent Will. We want to hear a hundred percent Will, and so like they're always looking for that bigger line, and yeah. if that affects the movie making process at all, it makes me wonder, like so we're drinking with the director, right? Like there's so much just the cameras are rolling and people are riffing. Right. So it's back to what Nate said earlier. It's almost the selection of what you put in the movie that, you know, kind of, you kind of curate this experience of, you know, is Will Ferrell really the one that's super funny or is it the guy that's selecting what is funny? You know what I mean? And putting it into the movie. Like, I don't know if that 57 hours of B-roll, how many, how much gold is really in there? You know what I mean? It could be just a bunch of stuff that where you're like, okay. That's a good call. You know? Yeah. yeah. How challenging is that got to be? Dude, you know I mean? Can you what imagine? Can just be like, all right, we're going to stay here for 14 hours and we're going to roll through one scene of Paul Rudd saying shit 26 <laughs> different ways. <laughs> and you got to decide which one's uh, the funniest. Uh, like, I mean, that sounds yeah, that's, like an awesome job. and it, terrible job at the same time. Because we talk about Will Ferrell, but I've seen other movies and Paul Rudd goes off oh, like in the credits. Paul Rudd's bananas, so great. Dude. I love the stuff where he like looks in the mirror and is like doing all these yeah. voices. Super relatable, right? Like yeah. if you're somebody like me that like sings in weird voices in the car on the way to work <laughs> by myself. Well, that's the one with uh, Jennifer um, Aniston, right? When they go to like the... Oh man, what is Paul Rudd and Aniston? I, it's like a I don't know. It's like a romantic rom com, and it's, this is in my wheelhouse, and I don't. know It's what it uh, my idiot brother. No, Paul Rudd and Jen Aniston. Somebody old. Sorry, but they both. Please, someone send us hate mail where you explain this. Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? Um, yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my <laughs> idiot brother. Just wasted ten seconds it. there. Um, I don't think that's it. It's, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. No, this is definitely Wanderlust. Oh, you're right, Wanderlust. I apologize. Paul Rudd is in My Idiot Brother, and maybe his sister is not Jane Aniston in that movie. We're gonna need some rom com experts to. uh, I I have seen Wanderlust. I think doesn't she bang the dude, and then he doesn't, and he's like, "I didn't do it," and she's like, "Oops." (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. I love that movie. Uh, All right. Well, Adam McKay. Are we good? Are we kicking him out already? Oh, no, yeah. dude. No. You know what? Can we take a moment, though? Because I feel like the ASMR moment has come. Adam McKay's hanging out for ASMR. You yeah, know he, he wants to hear this. So I've decided to try to be on theme a bit. Uh, and Anchorman, the two options were cat poop salad. I, I suggested that <laughs> Nate eat a cat poop salad for the ASMR moment. And he said in the text very bluntly, no. Does anyone have any other <laughs> suggestions than cat poop salad? I, and I, I'd looked, but the cat poop, the litter box was fresh out. So uh, we're going to go with sipping scotch. Are you ready? Ready. Slurp that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I could hear your fucking epiglottis. The, 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 you, did you get that Adam's apple? I did. <laughs> Dude, I got that. You that, see that big slide? I think it's called your epiglottis back there. I, don't I could hear it word. go up and go back down. It was transferring the liquid from from here down to the bottom, and it sounded down to all your. Over it's that. from your epi down to your glottis. There's some people that are playing that. They they just keep hitting the the ten second back button over and over again. Right now, you get a lot of ice in that scotch. 
Well, you know, um, <laughs> there are people that drink their scotch neat, um, and then there's people that want to taste it messy. scotch. Yeah. With grenadine. <laughs> <laughs> I one time, I one time, uh, somebody had a bottle of Pappy's, not scotch, obviously, but... And so I, I I took a picture of it, like pretending I was going to pour it in my mixed my my diet Pepsi as a mix, and I posted <laughs> on Facebook. And I've never had so many people legitimately enraged. There was a Facebook. fucking mob with pitchforks on the front of Nate's lawn after that picture. Like it was unreal. Like they were just like, are you, you know, lost their minds. Um, but I, but I, honestly, there's never been a more Nate picture than, <laughs> <laughs> than pouring Diet Pepsi into the pappies. I'd like a Diet and Pappies, please. <laughs> neat. I'd like that neat. neat. I also no like ice, my steak please. well done with ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's unacceptable. Uh, All right. All right, good. So we're done with our uh, drinking with the director. Later, Adam. Bye, Adam. Bye, buddy. He's got to go edit some more Will Ferrell bullshit. He's going to help us edit this <laughs> He's got episode. a lot of fucking editing. There's a lot of good B-Rail in this, B-rail in this episode. Unfortunately, we, we have to conclude all of it. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. The editing process on Bev's Video Kingdom goes a little something like, did we record it? It's going in the podcast. <laughs>
Um, and I would just, <laughs> God, and I would sit there and, uh, I would just wait for stars to come in and no shit, man. People came in. Uh, and then when they came who, in, you was, were like, did you know Dumbledore dies in this book? <laughs> just <laughs> dropping so spoilers. spoilers. So, <laughs> so anyway, we end, we end this one shift where I had seen who's Donna from that 70s show. What's her name? She's also Laura Prepon. So Laura Prepon, Prepon had come in, which I was stoked of Scientology about. fame. Um, yeah. It was right across from the Scientologist to Scientology center. So that it checks out. So we go around the corner and Paul and we are in this bar just like, you know, right there on Franklin. And uh, there's like a crew, and it's Paul Rudd and the guy that is from uh, from uh, I Love You Man that goes, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's oh, awesome. You said it was that Joe, cast, like they uh, were hanging. Yeah, yeah. It's around like the time Andy that Samberg, was. Everything you you was out there. With <laughs> yeah, I, th I think yeah, Joe Latruglio. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So so those guys were all like hanging. So I was like, well, fuck it, man. So I went to the bar and like ordered a drink right next to him and kind of like just chopped it up for a second and left. He, Paul Rudd, he was tiny. That is some. <laughs> that is some. Short insane confidence that i would never have i'd be like oh my god paul rudd's over there and the fucking everything you got guys well, over you, there. well then remind me something i'll tell you my diana ross story that's for another pod i would be more nervous to talk to paul rudd that's fair i know your diana ross story <laughs> <laughs> all right so you're gonna shag spoiler paul alert all right so i'm shagging i'm shagging paul rudd and i just want to give him a shout out He's so good in everything that he does, except for his big break on Netflix where he had like he like died and then they made a copy of him or something like that. And That's, Tom Brady is it was called in it. Mute. No, it was called like, Living with Yourself. Yeah. Yes. And it was dog I shit. It. I liked it. There's a the, great he has a great Netflix movie though that I can't remember the name of. Well the the, the problem with the with the movie with, with him and Tom Brady and, and all the all the Paul Rudds is that Tom they Brady were like was not in that movie. Yeah, he was, you dummy. Nick I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> There's times to call me out on when TB I don't 12, know my shit. This one, is, this movie. is not it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's actually impressive because the, the two non-aging human beings that we know of, Tom Brady and Paul Rudd, were in a, a film together. And that's the joke, is that Paul Rudd goes to a place where you are supposed to be able to... Oh, is he know, walking out? And Tom Brady's he walking, walking out, and out. he's like, hey. It was a little yeah, cameo. Exactly. It was a little cameo. But... I digress. I want to reiterate the fact that Nick was wrong and I was right. But Paul Rudd, fuck, he's so good. So uh, my my favorite Paul Rudd is I've got several, but but Kunu from uh, from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. We've talked about it on the pod before. It's so fucking funny. And uh, when he plays Mike in the early days on Friends as Phoebe's boyfriend. And uh, you mean crap back? There's it, dude, you're stepping on it, but yes, the fucking episode when Phoebe is like, I'm gonna change my name to Princess Consuela Banana Hammock, <laughs> and he's not happy about it. And and he's like, Well, I'm gonna change my name too. And she's like, What are you gonna change your name to? And he's like, Crap. She's like, Crap, that's not a name. You need a first name. He's like, All right, my first name's Crap, my last name's Bag. <laughs> Call me Crap Bag. Oh, so is good. so fucking funny. It kills me every time. Paul Rudd, I'm with you forever. All right, Bradley. Yeah, um, my shag is a hundred percent the uh, the TV station fight leading into the the post fight conversation. I mean, there's there's maybe not a more enjoyable like five minutes of movie making. I mean, it gives, it's a callback to all the '80s and like '90s classics that I love of just like just off the wall silly humor, and they just threw it in there. You got guys getting star power, man. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's a bunch of stars coming together, and it's just a, a violent ass fight. 
um, brick running around with a gr- grenade and then tridenting people. And Brick, where'd you get a grenade? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, and then, and then the post fight, I mean, breaking down the fight afterwards that, that brick should probably lay low for a while. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's such a great aspect. Which is, of this movie. It's my favorite, favorite part in the movie. Swivel. By a lot. But how true is that after fight scene? Like anybody that's ever been in any sort of an altercation that always has the breakdown you afterwards break with their boys yeah, when they're like, oh, and then you did this and then yes. I did that. And then Brick fucking killed a guy. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like every, there's always that post fight breakdown. 100%. It escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Oh, another one that I oh, say a lot. Just that scene alone. It's what you got to do when you that, find yourself in a vicious cockfight. Do you think that's what it comes from? The, the that escalated oh, quickly yeah, is that from Anchorman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a meme dude, that I used say that a in, lot. Yeah, I like, do too. And it's just a meme. I mean, that that shows. I've never up. connected it to Anchorman. That's from, that's where I mean, that's yeah. where the line is from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um. So that's actually a piggyback off of that, and I actually wrote down the cam. Yeah, the cameos. When you when you got Vince Vaughn, but then you see the first introduction in that fight and is is it Tim Robbins Tim that Robbins. comes out first? Yeah. Vince comes in with the fro, and then you got the, <laughs> the public the, radio. <laughs> then all of a sudden the Baraka with like ben the Stiller with like, and then you got Ben Stiller, and you're like, oh, where's this gonna go from here? So like when Anchorman two came out, it was like a thing where how far out were they gonna take that fight, and they just took it completely off the rails, and we don't need to talk about Anchorman two. But <laughs> Nick denies that. We, ever, it, it, I stopped watching about, about like a quarter of the way through. I was just like, I don't know. Oh, the shark, like after the we're, we're anti uh, sequels to Major League and Anchorman. Yeah, I am. FYI. Um, but the cameos in that movie, you kind of were wondering where where they would stop. You didn't want them to stop, but they had to at some point. And it, uh, you just to see those guys in such a far out, wacky fight and people were dying and fucking guys were Luke on Wilson fire. getting his arm cut <laughs> Guy oh, walking Luke through Wilson, fully on fire. God, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> so uh, that's what I got. I'm going to shag any interact, all the interactions with the news team. So like I, I love that there's a lot of things about the movie that are outside the news team and that I actually, and I actually really like Christina Applegate and her character in this. And there's a lot of funny parts, but any interaction with the full news team and even some of the little sub actions. I mean, the, 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 the Odeon, you know, uh, sex Panther, you know, I mean the, in terms of potency, there's no more potent parts of the movie than when those four or some subset of them are just sitting around riffing. It's gold. So (laughs) is it a shit take to say that champ being secretly gay or like, or like, his love for Ron Burgundy or whatever, whatever it is, is so funny to me. Like, I does that make is me a spo- bad person? Is he supposed to be secretly gay? Like, is that a is that? A I think thing? at the end they even say that he gets like he has sexual harassment suit against him from Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, from Terry oh, Bradshaw. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and he like throughout the movie is like, I miss you so much. I mean, <laughs> I miss your smell. I miss your, yeah, exactly. your musk. I mean, yeah. it's, it's definitely like a classic you know, like overplay, right. Of the it's guy that's way like overplay. super, super masculine <laughs> compensated, compensating for it. Why don't you just take the next few plays off? Like, <laughs> not trying to be like woke or anything, but I mean, it's, it's a little shitty to make fun of him for that, but God, he's, it's so it's funny fun. to me. You're ah, super man, woke, bro. Just yeah. be, just fly that woke flag. Make sure everybody knows. Okay. It's a rainbow flag. <laughs> All right. Did Nate shag? He just did. I just shagged. He just shagged. I just, got, I just got finished. I'm ready for round two pretty soon, though. All right. So we're snagging. So we're I'm going right, to We're ready to cuddle now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the spoon category. <laughs> See, that's a good, that's a good description. <laughs> we, we've had trouble describing it. So 
Now that we've all... Uh... Shag, spoon, walk of shame. That's the new uh, categories. <laughs> all right. So I'm snagging just Will Ferrell's Ron Burgundy. Give it to me. Out of all of his movies, uh, it still is his most memorable. I was, you know, um, I hope I can snag him. Number one in our draft. Please, God, I hope I can. <laughs> I believe it would win me the draft. And, you know, if I don't win it, I believe it'll be probably because I don't get Ron Burgundy. That's probably why. But, um, yeah. <laughs> any any other, Sorry, dude. I'm, any, I'm frying, I'm frying any, out of any here. Other, any other takes, I Nick? Just, or you just, I like that take. It's a good <laughs> I just said Will stuff. Ferrell slash Ron Burgundy. I think Nick wrote down Will Ferrell slash yeah. And he's all, I'm going to stretch that out as long as I can, but just those words. Well, I mean, we, I don't know. I don't think we're going to go around the entire cast, but my snag is uh, Brick Tamlin. I mean, Steve, uh, I, and I'll preface this by saying I am not a Michael Scott uh, American Office fan, but oh my God, Steve Carell as Brick Tamlin is one of my favorite roles, maybe of all time. I wanted to pick him for every category, Brad. I he's mean, so just good. starting off putting the, the mayonnaise into the toaster and just doing it so everything he <laughs> and does is smelling so, it. <laughs> everything he does is so calm and just good natured and smiley that you just have to love him, even though he's a complete psychopath. And, and it's no. it's wonderful. Brick's life seems wonderful to me. I think if I could have like his mindset, <laughs> like that seems awesome. He doesn't give a fuck. Oh, and every time he's just in the back parroting them or or trying to be them or just trying to get involved in some way even though he doesn't know how it's just it's wonderful so many good brick scenes so i'm gonna shag a weird one here i mean i'm gonna snag a snag a weird one here which is i'm gonna snag like the super super funny like take on feminism so like this is sort of a uh, like a little bit of a weird movie in this way right where like it's making fun of this like super misogynistic era and like it takes itself just seriously enough to like make the jokes about this stuff, but they're they're like it's but it's also really funny and not like you know heavy handed in that way. So it's kind of a cool like I don't know I just I I dig I dig the like back and forth of it uh, a lot. So I thought about this a lot, and and it has a bunch of of kind of feminist like uh, motivations and like they're trying to push like the kind of feminist line and all it takes in order to do that is one character and it's Ron in this movie one character to be like no guys like that's that's ridiculous he does it several times and just all it takes is one guy to be like what the fuck are you guys talking about like, that's crazy and then and then all of a sudden you're like oh yeah these guys are a little outlandish you know what i mean but if there's not that ron character to kind of ground everything i think it kind of goes off the rails real quick yeah i mean it is definitely pseudo feminism because i mean she hates him three different times but then just he does like well, one little thing and she's like but, oh, but the, i'm but, so in love with you again but this is why i like this is why i like it right is that like it's kind of making fun of of, I mean, if you really want to interpret it that way, it's sort of making it's it's both making fun of the misogynism and and also the feminism. Yeah, right? they're, they're like counterintuitive, sure. you know, like and, and, and you know, not to get too deep into this, but I often find it sort of like there's a lot of complication even now in this. Right. Because like, you know, you take different versions of it. Right. You know, women should also be, you know, they should be, they, they should be empowered enough to also, you know own their own sexuality in this way and so like it's like a parody of that too i, I don't know I, I just find it funny the scene where she's in the lobby and she's like she's <laughs> she's like yeah, talking to herself he's cute no he's hairy yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's so sexy oh my god oh, no he's not he's hairy he's hairy it's perfect I have a feeling lots of women talk to themselves like that when they're meeting with Tom Selleck. Yeah. At some point, they were like, "They were like, oh my god, he's so dreamy. Oh my god!" I, I, and they're like, "No, he's cross. 
<laughs> fucking mustache is crazy. <laughs> okay, All so right. it, unfortunately, they're pointing at me. I think it's my turn. The 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 this my snag is the exact same thing that Brad picked, and we've tread over this already once, and no reason to go over again. But the fight scene with the anchors is just so absolutely ridiculously fun, and when I think of Anchorman, I think of the fight and I think of just the, you know, if you're in the theater at that time when this movie came out, which I wasn't, I didn't watch it until a little bit later, but if you're in the theater and you're seeing, you know, you see the, the different cameos come in every time. And then all of a sudden the Maraca comes in and you see Ben Stiller come in and it's just, it's gold. It's I, I feel like so that's a hundred percent that moment. If, if you would have been in the theater seeing all that yes. happen, it would have been laugh out loud. I'm the, one of the hardest I have times I've ever laughed was, uh, in the, uh, in the Borat movie when he wrestles naked with his, yes. his like manager guy. <laughs> I, I was, I was almost having a heart attack in, Borat the in the theater is one of the greatest experiences of my life. I saw it, oh. me and my wife saw it and we fucking almost died in the theaters that's what i'm saying that that fight scene would have probably been on par with that because it was uh i was was dying (laughs) shocking and amazing but that's that's my that's my snag that's 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 all i got i love it good one all right body bag bradley what are you body bagging you know what i hate to do this i am a i'm i mean some people are cat people some people are dog people i'm a dog person but and we kind of talked about this it's like the baxter Ending the movie and kind of like saving the day. It's like, I mean, the only thing, if you take out Baxter, you also take out Jack Jack Black punting the dog, which is one of the most funny things I've ever seen in my life. It's one of the greatest. You just have to like not let him calm the situation down at the end and talk and have subtitles. That story device of them adding in him punting the one he says, (laughs) yes, and a simple act of littering changed everyone's. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah, friends. Now this is happening. (laughs) This is happening. That's how I roll. It just boots the dog. I mean, it's hilarious, but at the same time, when when Baxter comes in and like saves the day, it's just, it's, I don't know. I just, like you said, it, I, I, maybe they thought it was hilarious. It just kind of doesn't do it for me. So, Poor little Baxter, I'm I'm punting you off the bridge too. I, I'm, I'm 100 with you. The the end of the movie, <laughs> the end of the movie I is roll. a lot of story trying to tie up a bunch of strings that don't need to be tied up. It just has to be funny. That's your, that's your body. Baxter. Is that your body bag? The end, Zach? No, 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 no. Is it my turn? Yeah. My body bag is uh, Dale Doback, John C. Riley. Where is he? Fucking noticeably absent from this movie. So who would he, who should he have been? Champ. So they that said he was supposed champ. to be champ. That's that was he was in the running for champ. Um, I don't lie. I, I not don't even know. in the running. I think he was supposed to be champ, and then he was doing uh, what was he doing? The Aviator with DiCaprio, which is which is fine. Some artsy piece. Yeah, but he says later on that he regretted not being in this movie, and that's my body bag is yeah, that he was not. In nobody, this movie. nobody, you know, nobody's going to choose fucking the Aviator for any podcasts. No, he came back for Anchorman too, I guess, in a little cameo, but I, I didn't see that. There is nothing that I love more in this world than Leo DiCaprio and everything about him, but the Aviator's fucking balls. I don't <laughs> care what you guys think. So, so I'm in a body bag, uh, and I know this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion, but I kind of hate the jazz flute scene. <laughs> I think it's absurd. I almost picked it for my snack because I like it so much. Sort of funny, but it also like I can't rewatch it. 
Hey, Aqualung. <laughs> I literally like. I, I, I'm not prepared. I, I'm not sure why. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I think I like everything up to the point where he starts to play, and then I'm just like, eh, fucking fast. That's when he at the beginning music. can't play, and it's like you're like, oh my god, he does all. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just well, like, there it is. Immediately uh, get that the best uh, feeling uh, ever. It's like completely uncomfortable. Yeah. No, the like, first oh, like the first suck? like th- like t- ten seconds he's on stage is gold. After that, I'm just <laughs> sliding like, the the flute this. out of his arm out of his sleeve. Is just he does it in such a smooth motion as he, oh no I'm not even prepared and then, yeah <laughs> can I throw this out there according to my iPhone Will Ferrell has played the flute since he was in elementary school oh wow yeah so he's legit that's, jazz flutist I don't flautist I'm I sorry. Don't he didn't play he didn't play it he, is, he did not play anything but I don't think he's a legit jazz flutist but a flautist little known fact that Fla- maybe not flautist. true flautist. he played flautist. the flute flautist yeah my sister. Kaylee, amazing flautist. I, I may or may not have made a song to uh, to kind of make fun of a coworker one time, and we threw a lot of jazz flute. It was, <laughs> it was pretty sweet. It was legit. Maybe making music, that's what that is. Coming, <laughs> coming soon, just so everybody's aware, we're going to have an album that's going to be released probably in the next couple of months. It's going to be all of Brad's <laughs> parody songs that he has made for different competitions and uh, my, friendly my, people's weddings and stuff w- like that. Should we kick it off with the one where he rapped about how my wife is not very attractive? Yeah, there's yeah. there's some serious <laughs> shit in there. Again, that was that was some fantasy football, <laughs> which is some tongue in cheek shit she, because yes. Nate's wife is absolutely she's beautiful, absolutely beautiful, which is crazy. That, that this is why it was a funny joke, but it was <laughs> that's a why lot, you can a, joke it about a, it. It was a lot of song. If she, and a lot if of people, was, a lot of people trash talk during fantasy football, but I mean, how many people go to the point where they actually record the song and yeah, then right. and then just call somebody else's wife ugly? That's <laughs> fucking that's some intense <laughs> shit, bro. Uh, Again, that's how Brad rolls. Hey, yeah, again, the joke's only funny if the wife is beautiful. If if you got ugly ugly friends that are your friends' wives, don't call them. Hey, that shit I, will I'm go punting dogs and making fun of wives. Hey, <laughs> little, little hey mail. <laughs> Bev's video kingdom at Gmail. Just send it to attention, yeah. Brad the asshole. There you go. Um, <laughs> I might even Brad, battle rap you. Hey, hey, dear speak- Brad, this is Nate's wife. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> hey, speak, she'll never hear this, so it doesn't matter. It's true. Uh, s- speak, speaking of, I mean, in fairness, I don't either. So. Yeah. I, I am subscribed. I, neither my wife nor sure I am I'm listeners. I think your wife pod. is subscribed and you're not. Uh, that's probably true. Hey, so, hey, by the way, is it time for Cameo or Dead? Or are we? Yeah. I mean, I think we should let Nick. Wait, no, body my, my body bag is the same as Brad's. It's uh, Baxter at the end. Yeah. Sweet. Hour We're and both half movie. The dog. Hour and a half movie, but Baxter's part surprisingly drags because I want it to be over. So. <laughs> hey, PETA. Baxter. That's talking. actually Nick is the one punting the dog. So go after him, not me. This just really comes down to uh, everybody's uncomfortability and just uh, not being very familiar with closed captioning. Shouldn't have thrown a burrito out your window. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to read subtitles. This episode of Bev's Video Kingdom is brought to you by Tamland Tridents. Hi there, I'm Brick Tamland. People tell me to talk about the weather. When I do, they give me money. I spend my money on important things like mayonnaise, grenades, and tridents. I like tridents. They are very useful. I once used a trident to stab a man through his heart. He was riding a horsey. Maybe someday (laughs) you'll need to stab someone through the heart. They put my name on some good-looking tridents. They are sharp, too. If you get some money for talking about the weather, you should buy one. Just don't talk about the weather in my town. 
I'll stab you in the heart with my trident. <laughs> I'm Brick Tamlin. I love lamp and tridents. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good break. That's that a terrible break. impersonation, solid, but that's whatever. That's a solid break. I thought Steve Carell was in the room. <laughs> I don't even know what I did. I just started talking. I blacked out. <laughs> I blacked out. <laughs> All right. Well, it's cameo time. I'm super excited about this one. Guys, how much would you pay for Baxter? For Will Ferrell on cameo. Oh my god. That's he's not on so cameo. Will Ferrell Will Ferrell's probably one of the, I mean, I would have to assume he's one of the top price people a, in the wait, world. Wait, wait, sorry. Is he on there? How much would you pay for Will Ferrell on cameo? Oh, I mean there's zero chance he's on there. Two grand? I was gonna yeah. fifteen hundred was gonna be my bet. You guys are in the I thousands. Was thinking, I was yeah, thinking, I was gonna yeah. say a thousand. You just told us last week that the guy that gets shot in the face <laughs> in Pulp Fiction and has done nothing else was going for a hundred dollars. He has a Tony. No, I don't. <laughs> he know. Does. Guys, guys you can get Will Ferrell for less than a hundred dollars. <gasps> Is there another Will Ferrell? Up fifty. Dollars. Yeah, right. I don't understand yeah. what you're saying right now. I don't. Well, I don't believe you. Are you making because we would have had him do an intro to the podcast already if it was really fifty dollars. So, so people yeah. are getting wise to that on cameras so now. They have they have their like regular price and then their business price. The business price. Their president pay. business price. <laughs> Lord <laughs> business price. Um. Yeah. So fifty dollars for Will Ferrell impersonator. Uh, what? There's yeah. impersonators on camera. Hang on a second. We've been doing a podcast for like two hours, and we are officially Will Ferrell impersonators at this point. We've done <laughs> enough impersonations. <laughs> Nick's the best Will Ferrell impersonator I know. Fifty bucks, man. I'm like, why? All right, I'll, how, get, how, I'll get down there. How do you? But here's here's the thing. How do you feel if you're like the real actor and you? charge less than $50. <laughs> like if you, you know, any of the people that are on there as themselves and they charge like $28 and you're like, Will Ferrell impersonators charge twice. So, so I when I put Will Ferrell's name in on cameo and like, like it comes up, I, I saw impersonator at the top. And so I click on it and he was dressed up of course, like Ron Burgundy. So, I mean, I think that's where he's probably making his dollars. He's literally, I didn't listen to it. The audio was I'm off. Ron Burgundy. Yeah. The audio was off. So I didn't even hear if he's a good one or not, but maybe we should check. Happy out. birthday. <laughs> You've got one person who used to be Danny Trejo, uh, the uh, the bartender. He was uh, uh, on Cameo at one point. We don't have a price for him. Trejo? Wait, sorry. Danny there Trejo. was somebody Machete? that used Machete. to be Danny Trejo or Danny Trejo used to be on? Danny Trejo used to be on Cameo. No, this is impersonator. <laughs> he's, now, he's now impersonating The Rock. He's got a knockoff taco truck. We've got one person. One of the main crew is on Cameo. One of the main wait, wait Keckner, what Keckner or Parnell? It's got to be Keckner because he's mad because the Chiefs are terrible. I don't know if you know anything about Keckner, but <laughs> he's a Giants Chiefs. He's fan. a huge Chiefs fan from Kansas City. Okay, so Keckner is on there now. Now I want this is a this is gonna be a tough one. I want to see how much are you charging, or how much does Keckner charge? Wait, so Marvin from Pulp Fiction is charging a hundred dollars. Let's use that as our baseline. So Keckner two hundred. David Keckner's been in a thousand more movies than him. A lot give, more voice work. Take. Oh, dude, and he's good. He's funny. 
300. I say 261. He also worries me as if like a guy that like I'm talking about that I really like him right now and then I'll find out after the pod that he's been canceled for like sexual harassment at some point. I don't want to put that accusation <laughs> out there, but he just that's he gives me that vibe a little bit. Check you just think emails. of him as his Check office. Check his emails. Of his office character. <laughs> he's been hanging out with John Parker. Or, uh, oh, God. His, uh, uh, on the office Packer. the Packer. Packer. Todd oh, my Packer. God. That might be his favorite character of mine. Oh, he's so good. It's champ. Oh my god. See, so he's been in office. It's I mean, champ. that's obviously a huge boost. Oh, huge. I, I'm I'm saying, oh, I'm saying two sixty I'm saying two sixty one. Two sixty one? I got three. I have I mean, see, over three hundred dollars is like Wesley Snipes, I need money for the Then IRS go one dollar, you can Maybe win this. Kick no. No. Nick says three hundred. Honestly, dude. Yeah, don't listen. I'm going 321. Jesus, David Keckner's a big star. Overbid. It's 225. I was so, close. So let me throw this out to the Bev's video kingdom. How cool would it be? And I'm pretty sure it's probably against the rules of cameo. But how cool would it be if we got one of these big stars like David fucking Keckner to come on the pod and paid him his $225? We split it like five. We make Scott I pay think, for it. But I think we'd only get him on for like. 30 seconds or something. That's all we what do you need. pay for? That's minutes? all we need for him to say Nick, Nate, Zach, and Brad fucking. I know, but that's the, I think podcast. that's the business cost. That's why. So they have their like, if you want to send a message to your grandma, that's the, the but cheap will they cost. do a public? But if message. you want them to like promote your business, that's what's the, uh, the, the bigger. So price. what's that price? Probably a lot more. <laughs> I, I could check it out. Uh, Some well. bullshit, Brad. Uh, what I'm saying is if we had champ going whammy, and uh, really dropping some of our shit, we would get so many f- listeners. That's I mean, it's a great idea. And a bunch of people would be like, oh, my God, did you hear the whammy guy? Let's listen to Ernest Scared Stupid. So it says book for a marketing <laughs> campaign or big event, which I don't consider that being a big event. Five thousand. Five. Yeah, that's to, that's to have him come and tell stand up jokes at your fucking corporate event, though. I don't think so. I think that's I'm just pretty like, sure. I think if he says that video up. kingdom is whammy, that's five grand. See, it says and now it's it's labeled as personal use two twenty five personal use personalized video for you or someone else. See, but that's personal use on your podcast. <laughs> hey, but, cameo, we've sponsored the shit out of you. Give us a discount. Yeah. Uh, we can knock a zero off that. We can be for 500 bucks. You can say like BVK. 500 bucks is pretty steep. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to streaming recommendations. Anything out there that, uh, you know, is related to um, Anchorman or maybe it was directed by Adam McKay. Anybody got um, anything really quick? I just got Talladega Night streaming on Netflix. Another Adam McKay Rick, uh, ballad, ballad of Ricky Bobby. Brad? I'm, I'm going to go with a, a, a classic. And it's just got the same sense of humor. It's absurd. It's silly. And guess what, folks? It's on Stars. If you're interested <laughs> in checking out Stars, you can watch the movie Airplane. And it's got that same sense of humor, just a lot of just weird, silly stuff that happens. And uh, go ahead and check Airplane out. It's a classic. And it, that's what this movie kind of reminded me of. Anchorman had that same kind of feeling. So there you go. All right. Uh Zach, you got any streaming recommendations? <laughs> Honestly, with Will Ferrell, I didn't come up with anything super specific because I'm just like, just watch a Will Ferrell movie. It's fucking Will Ferrell. He's playing Will Ferrell, and he's fucking good at it mm. every single time. He doesn't have a lot of misses. I mean, 
there's some movies that are not great. He did some serious stuff that Pick was. Those in the but you watch movies. it. You watch it for Will Ferrell. Like the reason you That's watch it mean. is you're waiting for those moments, and there are all moments in every one of those. Just some are less than others. It's so. just he's he's a guy that he fucking when he hits a home run he hits a home run and all it takes is him to scream at his mom to bring him meatloaf and then <laughs> i mean it's really not much but fuck is it he fun. saved the end of that movie and i'd want to know if that was totally him you know what i mean yeah i got this idea <laughs> i'm gonna yell at my mom to get me some meatloaf oh, it's so good and then the just the offhand fucking what is she doing oh, <laughs> i know that line, and, and I'm going to tell a quick little sad story. Just that that line is forever ingrained in with, with me. I had a, a friend who who passed from cancer uh, quite a few years ago, and uh, we went and visited him kind of late in the uh, in the ball game of his battle. And uh, he was in hospice, and his mom, of course, was taking care of him. And while we're sitting there around the bed, I mean, he still had a sense of humor. And Dude, that's incredible. He dropped the Ma Meatloaf line. <laughs> it was great. It was so funny. It was uh, uh, it was something I'll always remember uh, my boy Brett by. And uh, yeah, so it's it's that line's forever ingrained in like just positive vibes about my, my oh, boy Brett. Look at the big brain on Brett. Makes me like that <laughs> quote even more. Yep. So I'd say st- I, I want to. I want you all to go stream "Stranger Than Fiction," which is a, just a true gem. But you're gonna have to pay for it. Sorry. So this is one that Nate told me that I needed to watch. And have you done so? And then later on, I, I, you know, as with most shit that Nate tells me, I'm like, yeah, that's fucking cool. I'll watch it. <laughs> and then, uh, and then later on, Nick was like, oh, I gotta watch the movie. Nick yeah. loves it. Nick and I share yeah. a love of this movie. You guys share a love of a lot of things. Uh, you guys have a very similar similar taste in movies, and when 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 Nick also recommended it to me, I was like, "All right, I'm going to watch this movie." And from the very beginning, when she's talking about Crick, what's his name? Harold Crick. Harold Crick. Crick. And then the narrator comes in from the outside. No, you shouldn't be offended by that. It's just that I needed the affirmation <laughs> that uh, that it wasn't going to be fucking Hoosiers or some bullshit. Oh God! <clears throat> so blaspheme. But I but I watched it. And God damn, it's really fucking good. And and it's not Will Ferrell that you're used to, and he pulls it off. And oh, I great. really dig it. And these these guys both recommended it to me. I finally watched it. So if you need a third person to recommend it to you to make you watch it, that's me. <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry. Bradley, have you seen Stranger Than Fiction? I have. And the one thing for my gamer friends out there, um, if you like Stranger Than Fiction, there's a very odd game called the stanley parable um it's it's got a narrator that kind of narrates your game as you play and you can make choices and it starts pissing off the narrator and the narrator gets involved in like what you're doing and it's it's really a cool ass game it's 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 not even really a game i mean it's not like a plot and you're not trying to win you just kind of experience it so if you like stranger than fiction check out the video game stanley parable where is it streaming on date it's streaming for three ninety nine on Amazon Prime. <laughs> no, that works for me. That works for me. I'm used to Brad's ones where I have to go to his house and get the DVD. It's fucked up. Or or, or you stream it on a service called Lubidigi. <laughs> well, yeah, Bluebull is the one has. I'm using now. Bluebull is, is Blue a great one. Yeah. The, the streaming service is... Uh, you pointed to your Bluebull. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> we are moving on to our... <laughs> Uh, moving on to our last category. Last category. We made it. We're going to reshelf it. Maybe we're going to reshelf it. Maybe we're going to create an alternate ending to Anchorman. 
And we're going to start with Brad. You got anything? I do. I have an alternate ending. And it's actually not an alternate ending. It's just an alternate movie. <laughs> what if Brick actually got through to Corningstone and she was like, yeah, let's make this happen. I want to watch them date. I want to see what they're their little experience <laughs> when he asked being, her if she wants to go to a pants party <laughs> I think, what if she goes to the pants party with them and and we find out how brick gets down i want i want to see brick in the dating scene i want to find out uh uh the loves of his life and and his heartbreaks and all things brick so my my alternate ending is we just get rid of ron and we go off to brick and uh corningstone going down so I literally, I'm glad I'm going after Brad because I didn't know that was what he was picking for his alternate ending. But my alternate ending or reshelf it or whatever it is, is only this. And that is that Brick Tamblin needs his own fucking movie. He's so funny throughout every single thing that he does. His deadpan delivery, his just completely oblivious of everything is so, it's not, I can't, I don't know exactly how to explain why it's funny. But God damn, it just it gets me every time. Why why is it funny? He's saying ridiculous things. Well, you want to know how he survives. Like, how does he actually go about his daily life? I want to no, know. No, he doesn't. I, I feel like he poops like uh, in the urinal <laughs> and freaking. You know what I mean? And like pees in the sink. Like, there's nothing. Does normal he have a about caretaker? Like, and we just don't know, or is is he just on his own and and functionally? Uh, I'm just saying that caretaker. I don't even want to tend. <laughs> 10 episode Netflix series. I just want a full length feature film about Brick and how he gets into the Bush White House and gets out <laughs> and, you know, and he gets fucking, you know, Steve Banyan like tries to fucking recruit him for the Trump White House. And then it's just, just, you know, hilarity ensues. I got, uh, I wrote down and actually we're, we're following different, well, they got character spinoffs. So I, Fantana spinoff. Dude, give me Rudd. Give me Rudd. There's so Netflix many that series. could make their own movie. I'm yeah. with you, bro. I mean, you have to get some depth and get into his character a little bit because, but uh, maybe where the origin of the octagon, where that came from, and Noisewater. And wait, Dr. Kenneth Noisewater. Talking about his, you know. Oh, yeah. Where that came from. But uh, yeah, give me Fantana spinoff. Nate? I don't have one. I just, I just uh -uh. want, I just don't want the ending that we have. Can we just end the movie ten minutes early? No, there's that's the thing though. You don't need to end the movie ten minutes early. You don't need the panda storyline or anything. You just need some stupid reason for him to come back to the studio, and there doesn't have to be any, you know, weird juxtaposition or story or anything. Or, or you know, as long as him and Corningstone end up together and it's funny, it's perfect. And there's like. 10 wasted minutes of not funny at the end of the movie. There was a bunch of 2000s comedies that started off so strong and great. And then by the end, it's just like, it kind of falls off. And I think that was just kind of a, it's tough when you get all these great ideas and like, you're like, Oh, this is what they're going to do. This and like, everything's funny. And then all of a sudden like, Oh shit, we actually have to like end a plot. That's because the they movie. need to have 15 minutes at the end where they tie up the storyline that they tried to force yeah. the whole time, which you don't need that. Just riff. That's I mean, how Bev Video Kingdom does it. I just fucking just BBK IPA, you know what I mean? Just fucking make it rhyme. It works perfect. Well, as I say, Wedding Crashers, the second half is just, it's kind of tedious, but Chaz saves it. Chaz is like the only thing that saves, Will Ferrell saves the end of Wedding Crashers. Otherwise, if you don't have Chaz in the end of Wedding Crashers, a good it just basically falls apart. That to be fair, good good, good Vince Vaughn can save anything. I I, I, I will say that, that all day. Although, although in the last bit of that yeah, movie... He's not great. No I mean, it's just there's he, his best stuff's not there. It's right. Ball. It's a great take. Meatloaf. <laughs> Meatloaf, ma. Well, Jesus, we made it. We made it to the end.
That was Anchorman. Um, we have the draft coming up in a couple of days. So um, wait, listen to that. Thanks for listening. What, what, what are we drafting again? Watch your Will Ferrell movies because uh, we're going to be drafting Will Ferrell characters. Most memorable Will Ferrell some, movie some, in, a, in a movie. Movie roles. Sounds like it's the kind of draft that I'm likely to win, but then again, they all do. When you look at the list of movies, you'll be like, okay, we're doing a four-person, four-round draft. That's 16 choices. There's 10 choices that I want to pick. Well, you're going to have to end my streak because I'm on a two-win streak. So, so for friends, you should please Take this moment to eat. think about the thing. I want you to do a little thought process here. I want you to think, you know, when I think about Bez Video Kingdom, this one friend really, I think they would really like it. And then I want you to pull them up on your text message. And I want you to send them a text of your engorged genitals. <laughs> and then I want you to type and you can go ahead and get it ready, Kate. Just be like, oops, wrong Say, person. When I... Th- <laughs> When I'm and you say to them, you up when I'm listening, (laughs) when I'm listening to Bev's video kingdom and I think about you, this is how I feel. Okay. And And, here's a picture of my swollen labia. Right. And and so, so, and then just see how that goes. Just, it may end in a really interesting or strange conversation for you, but probably that person's going to want to hear what we're all about. So just do that now for <laughs> to us. To piggyback. And if you want to give them some names, like your, you know, the labia or the, the testes, I mean, just give them a couple nicknames, yeah. introduce them. The, yeah. the testestrials or whatever. <laughs> the plums. <laughs> so that's, that's that we'd like you to please spread the love and then follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. In a less awkward plea to get you to share this with your friends if you are listening right now and you have laughed within the past half an hour that's more times than all 100 percent of your friends have laughed in the past half an hour so send them our fucking podcast be nice tell them to listen share, be like hey share the love hey one hour and 48 minutes in i laughed at fucking nate's clitoris joke <laughs> and then said genitals i'm sorry it was engorged uh, either way a genital? i think so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an anatomy expert, but I think so. It's late. it's in the crotchal region. There you go. Thanks, guys, for listening. It's now 11:54 Pacific Standard Time. Oh boy, <laughs> Brad still got a boner from the Niners. Giants win, <laughs> Niners loss. He's happy. So do I. <laughs> it's the pleats. Brad's the only thing holding up the table right it's now. The pleats. Good night. <laughs> Oh, that went off the rails. Start this thing